Well, good evening. All the men just received multi-tools. And the best part of the multi-tool you just received is that it has a Chinese instruction card. So if you can work out what it means, you're better than me. However, I have done my homework. And multi-tool. It's got a can opener. It's got a knife edge. It's got a screwdriver, a ruler, a bottle opener, a four-position four position wrench, a butterfly screw wrench, a saw blade, a directional auxiliary indication. I think that means compass. Two-position wrench and a keychain hole. I love things like this. They need to rename them. Multi-tool is a poor name. I think it needs to be called the Dream It Tool. Because let's face it, when most men get something like this in their hands, suddenly you become MacGyver. <laughs> Don't you? You think of all the possibilities of the way you could save the world with this little credit card-sized device. Actually, I saw people... Actually, I think MacGyver's a nice guy because I saw people this morning who had already worked out that you could torture one another with them. Creston Davis, no names mentioned. That if you put your finger in the right way, you could use them as a torture device. And so maybe you can change the world with this. Maybe you can, but whatever, it is full of possibilities. Save the world, get out of any situation. It's a dream it tool. It's a dream it tool. And so tonight... I want to speak on the same thing as I did this morning because I think it's a really, really important subject. And um, my, my title for tonight is Mission Possible. Mission Possible. Has anyone seen the latest Mission Impossible movie? It was cool, eh? It was all the predictable things you expected, so if you haven't seen it yet, it's worth seeing. It was very cool. But tonight I want to talk about Mission Possible. And I think this sums up the character of men very, very well. In fact, I think it's exceptional. Because I think most men live with this. In fact, I think we were actually created uh, with this kind of nature. We're a bit risky, a little bit risky. We're overcoming fear, sort of pushing ahead despite, let's face it, if he stuffs up, she stuffs up, she is someone's quarter pack. Like, we, we live a little bit risky. We desire to push through. We're a little bit rambocious. We're on a mission. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. We're possibility thinkers. We're dreamers. And so tonight I want to ask you, how is your dream? Because dreaming is really, really important. You know at school when you get slapped on the wrist for being a daydreamer? It's probably because it's not the appropriate time to be dreaming, but the fact that you're dreaming, I think, is a really positive thing. You and I are actually designed to dream. We're designed with imaginations, which are the gateway to the spirit realm. We're designed to dream. We're designed to think out and beyond what we can see in front of us in the natural. So I ask you, how's your dream, or are you simply existing? Way too many people simply exist. Just get through another day. Where are you going in life? Ah, uh, I'm not sure. Now, there's times in all of our lives where we're not sure. If that's you, don't beat yourself up. There's times in all of our lives where we're not sure, but we can't afford to live there. Do you have a dream or are you just existing? Is your dream big enough? 
Or is it something that God's got to get behind to make it come into pass, make it happen? Is your dream just about yourself? See, I believe every person, every man, every person is born with the capacity and the purpose to dream, but not only live to dream, but live towards your dream. Live towards it. Face yourself in that direction. Live towards the dream that God's placed in your heart. My questions are really simple, though, this. What are your dream? Is, is your dream worthy of your life? I think that's a good question. Is your dream worthy of your life? You know, you get one shot. One shot at this planet. One shot at life. Is your dream worthy of your life? Is your dream big enough for God to get behind it? Or is it something that you can do on your own? I pray it's big enough for God to get behind. We're going to read from um, John 15. This is the passage I'm working our way through this, um, this year. September, here we are, springtime, and I'm up to verse 5. Could be a few years. Anyway, remember the context of this passage is that Jesus is on his way to the cross. And these are some of the last words he says to his disciples before he goes to the cross. So these words, you've got to hear these words uh, from the context that he spoke them, and they, they carry some weight. It's like when, you know, these are his parting words, so to speak. So you've got to read into them. What is he trying to say? What is the weight that he placed on these words? And he placed a bit of weight on the words, I believe. Anyway, I just have to wait for that finish because I forgot to click my slide. No, still got to wait. Here we go. So why don't you read it with me? I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. When I read that verse 5 through, it says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's really good to remember that. He is the vine, we are the branches, not the other way around. A branch can be severed from the vine, but the other way around doesn't work. Those who remain in me and I in them, that really is our first consideration here is relationship with Jesus, remaining in him. He tells us very clearly that if we remain in him, he will remain in us. But there's actually a little bit of personal responsibility there for us to set ourselves toward him. For us to uh, decide that we're going to walk in relationship with him and pursue him passionately. That's, that's our part of the deal. We remain in him. He will remain in us. And we will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a, that's a really strong statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you doing life with him or are you trying to do life on your own? It's worth considering because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But what I like about this, apart from me, you can do nothing, would seem to me 
that if that is the truth, maybe the opposite would hold true as well. That with him, all things are possible. In fact, the Bible says that. With him, all things are possible, i.e., mission possible. What's your dream? What is your dream? What are you dreaming about? What's God placed inside of your life? Because I think if we walk close, one thing I have learned through my few years of life is that I can't trust my own motivations. I can't trust my own heart. But I know that when I'm walking closely with God, when I'm remaining in, when I'm abiding in, generally the motivations of my heart aren't too far off what he's wanting from my life. And generally, they're close enough that as I start to walk forward, he can just steer me into the direction he wants to go. So if I'm abiding in him, if I'm remaining in him, if I'm walking closely to him, I've got faith that the motivation of my heart, the motivation of my dreams, is going to be something in line or close to being in line with his desire for my life. See, there's a purpose I was put on the planet. The, the, the Bible tells us this. There's a purpose that you're on the planet. No one else can fulfill your purpose. No one else can fulfill my purpose. So by dreaming, by imagining, by allowing God to birth something in me that is beyond the natural now, I am actually honoring God, who's given me the ability to dream, and if I'm prepared to step forward in my life toward that dream, not only am I honoring him, I'm giving him every opportunity to bring those things that he's purposed for me to pass. I think it's a great principle. I, I like to, to go with the green light principle, some people call it. In other words, I keep walking unless God tells me to stop. Some people sit and wait. I'm waiting for the green light. I'm waiting for the green light. I'm waiting for the green light. I'm still waiting for the green light. And the green light never seems to come. But if you just keep walking, God will guide you. I, I like the analogy of a, a boat that's tied up to the wharf. You know, you can waggle the rudder. All you like on the boat, nothing happens. Nothing. But the second you're moving, that rudder turns a little bit, it'll direct the boat where it's going. It's the same, another picture, but the same as the green light. I'm walking unless God tells me to stop cautions me or steers me into another direction, I'm walking down the path that he's placed in my heart. Because I've got a dream in my heart, which I believe is aligned with his purpose for my life, and I'm going to walk into it. Now, Hebrews 11 says quite clearly there that some people that had a dream and a purpose, they, walked, they never got to see it. Something happened before they got there. It's quite graphic, actually, like they got sawn in half or something. But they never got to see it, but the fact of the matter is... They had dreamed it, they had seen it, or they had seen it, even though they never got to walk into it. And so actually, whether you and I end up walking into the dream that he's placed on our heart really is irrelevant. The point is that we have the dream, that we know the purpose for our lives, and we're walking in that direction. The rest of it's really up to him. Verse 7 of John 15 says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Anything you want, and it will be granted. I'm assuming 
that that is as long as I'm walking in close relationship with him and I am generally in line with where he's going. There's some things I know that if I pray, he will not give them to me. And I might be upset about it tomorrow, but give me 10 years, I'll be thrilled that he never gave it to me. Because it's just not in line with where we're going. It was selfish motivation or whatever. But if I'm walking in a close relationship with him, Matthew 19 and verse 23 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and he said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. It's really easy to read a scripture like this. And I think the church over the years can be held a little bit guilty of this. You read a scripture like that and straight away you look out. You look out. Oh, they're driving a nice car. They're rich. Glad I'm not them. And it'd be tough to get to heaven if you're them. Oh, they're living in a nice house. They must be rich. Glad I'm not them. This is some of the attitudes over the years. Whoa, they've got a business. Look, they must be doing all right. Can I say to you that every single person in this room here tonight is rich? You live in New Zealand? Whether you feel or not, you're rich. You're rich. It's not actually money. It's not actually a, a, a comment about money. In fact, the, the original language doesn't even mention money. It, re, it mentions an abundance is what it talks about. An abundance of resource. What it's talking about is if that we feel so well equipped that we look to our own means to fulfill the purpose, the dream, instead of looking to God for the answer. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually find that quite easy to do. Lord, we need an answer for this. We've got a problem, we need a solution. It's all right, I know him or I know her. We could do that and we could do that and we could do that. I'm actually looking at my own resources for the answer, relying on myself rather than relying on him, which is what that scripture is actually saying. If you try to do it yourself, you can't do it. And they go, and they go they're astounded. Well then, Lord, who can be saved? Jesus looks at them and he says, humanly speaking, you just can't do it, you can't do it. But with God, everything is impossible. I ask you again, what dream have you got in your heart? What dream has God planted in your life? What's he purposed you for? What's he purposed you to? Philippians 4, 13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Luke 1, 37, For nothing is impossible with God. Mark 10, 27, Everything is possible with God. Ephesians 3.20 from the Passion. I love this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power 
constantly energizes you. What's your dream? What is your dream? The world is trying to cut dreams down. The world doesn't want dreamers. Society doesn't want dreamers. Society simply wants to control you. That's all it wants to do. It wants you to stand in nice, tidy rows, like when we gave out these tools. It wasn't right that they stood in two columns. I wanted them in one column. That, that's society. You stand in a nice, tidy row there. You stand in, don't you dare get out of line. You just go with the crowd. You just do your thing. What's the classic New Zealand one? You stick your head up, I'll cut it off. Tall poppy syndrome. That, that's how we are conditioned to live our lives. But I think God's placed a dream in every, purpose, in every person. I know that God has purposed every person to something great. And he doesn't duplicate that purpose anywhere. You are absolutely unique. Some more unique than others, eh, Mullah? You are absolutely unique. I am absolutely unique. There is not another one of me anywhere. You should be grateful for that. Absolutely unique. The dream that God's placed in my heart is absolutely unique. I can't afford to stop dreaming. I can't afford to lay the, the dream and the purpose of my life to one side. Because it's God-ordained, it's God-given. He expects me to do it. So what's your dream? What's going on behind your eyes? What's going on in your heart and your head? What's the seed that God's placed in there that's just bubbling away and you're going, man, one day, if I was to come and visit you this morning, three o'clock in the morning, what would you be happy to get out of bed and sit down and talk to me about. What would spark you up? What would get past, oh, what the heck is he doing at my house at three o'clock in the morning? Can he see the way I look? I've got no makeup on, for goodness sake. Come back in the morning. What would get you past all of that? And say, come on and sit down. I've got something I want to talk to you about. What would come pouring out of you? Because that's probably your dream. That's probably the seed of purpose that God's planted in your heart. I, I, I'm concerned for men in our country. I'm a little concerned for our country. But it's Father's Day today, and I'm concerned for men in our country because our society is doing everything it can to emasculate men. In other words, to deprive men of identity, to make... Uh, men weaker, to domesticate men, to kill the spirit of greatness within men, to kill the dream within men. And instead, they want to, society wants to take all of that out, and there is a strong agenda around this, to take all of that out, and instead we put those in the place where dreams belong, they want to fill that up with fear. Because fear means control. If you watch the news, watch the news tomorrow night, the whole of the news, really, is just to make you fearful. This is happening there, that's happening there. I'm scared to drive there. I was watching it the other night. It's in New Zealand news, and they're showing a car crash in America. 
I mean, I feel sorry for the people in the car crash. It's not a good day for them at all. But it's a car crash in America. We live in New Zealand, for crying out loud. All they're trying to do is make me scared to get in my car and drive. It's just, it is about fear, because you cannot be controlled by fear and dream at the same time. You just, you can't. If fear controls you, your dreaming ability, if it's not totally squashed, it is almost totally squashed. Because fear and dreaming don't live in the same world. What happened to John 10.10? And I will give you life and life abundantly. I'll tell you what happened to it. The start of that verse is what happened to it. The devil, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy, i.e. fear. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to plant fear, to bind us up with fear. But I came that you would live life and life in its fullness or abundantly. Dream, fear. Dream, that happens in God. Fear happens if we allow the system of this world just to get hold of us and absolutely, just slowly but surely, it just starts to strangle you. If you're living with fear, I like this. This is a great picture. I'm not quite sure which one of them is true. I suppose it depends whose eyes you're looking at. But I love it as far as fear goes. Maybe the child is true. I know mum's definitely overreacting. But I did confide in Jan and she said that is what it feels like. <laughs> Her beautiful child being thrown in the air. Dreams, mission possible. In other words, what you were born for cannot happen if you're bound up in fear. I really, I, I'm just wanting to encourage you tonight because you cannot be constrained and bound by fear and live in the dream and the purpose that God has for you at the same time. One is going to win. I am absolutely convinced, I've said this before, that any aeroplane I'm traveling on is the safest plane in the world. Any car I'm in is the safest car in the world. Any time I'm anywhere is the safest place to be in the world. Because I don't believe God's finished with me yet. I will get that wrong one day. And he will have finished with me. And that's all right. I'll transition at that point. But until that time, I'm going to live my life not constrained by fear, but released by purpose. What's your dream? What's God planted in your life? What's he purposed you for? Because only you can achieve it. You know the voices? Because perhaps you didn't do as well at school as you could have because you didn't quite fit the system of school and all those kind of things. Don't let them control your life. Do you know that most people don't fit school that good? How you did at school and whether you fulfill the purpose of God on your life, irrelevant. Now, if you're still at school, work hard. <laughs> There's no point being lazy. Work hard. Work hard. Do as well as you possibly can. Because that's all a part of fulfilling the purpose of God in your life as well. But if you've left school and you didn't do as well as you like, don't let that contain you or constrain you. Yeah. Come on, God's placed a dream in you. He's placed a purpose in your life.
He's calling you to purpose. You can do it. You and him, mission possible. You and him, can be done. You and him, nothing can stand against you. Well, it'll try. But if you keep going. And here's the deal. This is what I've discovered over life. If the band want to come back, it'd be great, thanks. Is that sometimes I just get it wrong. Sometimes I get it really, really wrong. Sometimes I fall down and make a mess of things. Sometimes I make really, really poor decisions. Sometimes I react just when I shouldn't. Sometimes my patience runs right out. I'm a reasonably patient person. But when it runs out, man, I'm black and white. It just runs out. And I can make a mess of things. But I get up and go again. I get up and go again. I get up and go again. And again. And as long as I've got breath in me, I'm going to go again. And again. And again. Because God's placed a dream in my heart. He's placed a purpose in my life. And I intend to walk toward it all the days of my life. Whether I see it in its fullness is really irrelevant. As long as I'm passionately walking in that direction, it's mission possible. As long as you're passionately walking in the direction of purpose that is placed in your heart, it's mission possible. You're a bit unique. You're different to those around you. Fantastic. Don't try to mold yourself to be like everybody else around you. Embrace your uniqueness. Embrace the call of God on your life. Embrace the seed of purpose he's planted in your life and go for it. Go for it. This world was never changed by anybody ordinary. The the greatest inventions come by strange dudes. They're generally called entrepreneurs. But I'll tell you what, you read and you look at their life, they're quirky dudes. They've got... Areas of brilliance in their life and the rest of their lives sometimes are just messes. But they're purposed for this direction. That's the direction they run. We can make all the excuses we like. like. I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not good at this. doesn't matter. God wired you. He placed his purpose in you. And his purpose lines up with exactly how you're created. You can do it. Mission possible. It is not a good father who sends his kids out on a mission that is impossible. That's not a good father. But our father is a good, 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 good father. He is the ultimate example of a great father. And he loves us with incredible love. So it's mission possible. I could stand here for another hour just going, you can do it. You can do it. I feel like eyeballing every one of you and saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. It is mission possible. If God has called you to it, if he's placed the purpose in your heart, you can do it. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't chicken out. You can do it. But I won't stand here for another hour. I'll annoy you. You can do it. Mum, Dad, you can do it. Your kids will drive you crazy because that's what kids do. 
They will push you past your breaking point where you didn't, couldn't believe that you could get stretched to. You will make a mess. You will lose your temper and every other thing, but you can do it. Pick yourself up. Go again. I've lost my temper with my children more than one occasion. Many occasions. They've put me past my wit's end. I don't know what to do. Oh, good grief. We are the most useless, parable parents on the earth. But you get up and go again. And you go again and you go again. I got a Father's Day card this morning from my boys, my men. And the words were, I found them incredibly moving. And I thought, you know, for all that I might have fallen over, I think we've done okay. I think we've done okay. Parents, be encouraged. Just keep going. Do the best you can. If you're a lousy husband, sort yourself out. Be a good husband. Be a good husband. It's not that hard. Just make a decision. I'm going to love my wife and treat her like a princess. You've got kids and you want to teach your kids how they should treat their spouse. You love your spouse. Treat them like a prince or a princess. Make a mess of it. Start again. Start again. Go again. Go again. Go again. It's part of our purpose. It's part of who we create. And you can do it. It's mission possible. It's mission possible. Jan and I have been married 26 years. It's not bad, eh? That's not bad. I'm still very happy. I shouldn't answer for her. But I know she is. Because it's possible. We're not superheroes. We just decided that's the way it's going to be. And lived according to that purpose. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can fulfill the dream that God's placed in your heart. You can be the person that God's called you to be. You can do it. Father, I bless every person in this place. I ask that you would fill every person with courage tonight. In Jesus' name, with hope. In Jesus' name, with that, even the line, mission possible. Lord, I'm standing in a room of champions. I'm standing in a room of people whom you've designed, whom you've foreseen, whom you've seen knitted together in their mother's womb, and who you've purposed to do amazing things in their life. And Holy Spirit, at this moment, I ask that you would release dreams in Jesus' name. Be it now, when we put our head on the pillow or the next couple of days, you would release dreams. You would release divine purpose. And when you do, Father, I pray that we catch the thought. I pray that we catch the dream, that we catch the purpose. Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to discern between your thoughts and too much cheese. And that we catch the essence of what you're saying and your purpose for our lives. Because I know in you, everything is possible. In Jesus' name, amen.